0: bring us the message thanks Phil thank you very much um, well, it's an absolute privilege to be able to do that to, to be able to baptise your own grandchild, children stick your hand up all the rest of you just have to wait But it's great it's really good I wanted to share this morning and Kylie um, helped me with, with her um, introduction to worship um, was a really great introduction because I was also, it was my first week back in the office and I'm about to start my, I started reflecting on ministry and I'm about to start my 27th year of full-time ministry uh, without a break and you sort of think oh you know um, what's it look like and I started thinking it's a new year, it's you know Joel spoke last week and technically that was the first service of the new year but all of January, you can talk about Happy New Year stuff, can't you? Yeah? So, it's a new year. But, you know, I, <laughs> some. how many of you, like, like, just went tripping and skipping and bounding into 2021? You know, out of joy, out of 2020, joyfully bounding into 2021? Except for Kylie, of course, because the uh, end of 2020 was brilliant for her. You know, you'd be... It's fair to say that most of us kind of sort of just sort of stepped into 2021 a little bit, you know, hes- you know, I don't know, hesitantly. It's not like everything of 2020 is over yet and we've discovered that early in this year already. You know, and I had pictures of, you know those movies you watch when the troops, and those of you that are old enough, you ever watch MASH when the troops came in from the, the, the battlefront into, I had pictures of us all sort of dragging ourselves over the threshold into 2021, battle wounded and weary and, Anybody else feel like that after twenty twenty? No, you can stick your hand up if you if you feel like that, you know. Um, And so, even for me, there's this, you know, because pastors are human too. There's this, there can be this sense of burden and a sense of heaviness, a little bit weary, a bit tired and weary from. um, I think that's me again with this. Is that better? What if I stand really still? I can't do that. There's a, there's a sense of weariness and, and tiredness and perhaps a little bit wary. How many of you are a bit wary about, huh, what's this year going to bring? Anybody? Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, for church, but for your life, for your, for your business. But... I don't know. I don't think I'm doing it. Uh, am I? If I put it right in the front here. All right. Should we start again? We're a bit wary going into 2021 and we're a little bit burdened. We're a little bit tired. Um, and, you know, looking at even just the COVID situation or any situation you're in, you're sort of thinking, ah, oh, you know, who's got it right? Have we hitched ourselves to the right wagon? Um, is this going in the right way? And maybe you come out of 2020 with some unmet expectations, like tiredness, uh, weariness, anxiety, and that sort of stuff. So I wanted to read a few verses out of Matthew 11, and we—it's not a big reading today. It'll be on the screen, but you can open your Bibles to Matthew 11 if you want to, um, and I encourage it. Um, And just in Matthew chapter 11, I want to read the first three verses and then the last three verses. And for me, it was encouraging. I said, "I hope it'll be encouraging for you as well." This is Jesus and John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11. Have a look on the screens. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Now, when John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent his disciples to him to ask him, Someone else? And we're going to jump down. Jesus says a number of things, and I might refer to him a little bit later, but I'll jump down to the very end because this is how Jesus kind of rounds off his response to that. In verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you know that? pretty much off by heart those few verses we hear it lots of times don't we so in, in the first, what, what was going on here and I, you know I, I thought to myself you know this is the same John the Baptist isn't it this is the same John the Baptist the sins of the world uh, the same John the Baptist who said about Jesus you know this guy is so great I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals do you remember that so I wonder what happened between that and this you know, anyone, anyone ever thought about that? This is the same John the Baptist, you know, he was part of the movement. He was in the flow, wasn't he? Um, and if anyone was supposed to have confidence in Jesus as the one, you know, he asked the question, are you the one? If anyone was supposed to have confidence, it kind of would be, and he's, he's a cousin too of Jesus, isn't he? So what's going on? Has he lost his faith? Has he changed his mind? Have a look at the circumstances that might help you have a look at where that shakiness comes from. And there's a few commentators that would suggest different reasons John asked that question. But have a look at the circumstances. He's in jail. John the Baptist is in jail and it's not a nice jail. It's not one of those nice situations like Paul. I'm not suggesting Paul's Roman imprisonments were nice. But he seemed to have everything he wanted to write letters and that. You know John's uh, obviously still getting visitors but he's in jail he's in jail because he decided to confront Herod didn't he he said to Herod dude you just cannot take your brother's wife like that and Herod said I'll do whatever I like thanks very much and popped him in prison and there was a big threat hanging over John the Baptist and he knew that his life wasn't long for long anymore he knew that he was despised by Herod and and the the royal courts and he knew that he wasn't going to live much longer And yet he's hearing of all this stuff that Jesus is doing and saying. But things are not changing. When he joined up with Jesus, when he joined up, there was this this promise. John was a Jew. He was part of the the Jewish understanding that the Messiah was coming. This new king was coming. And when this new king would come, um, they would no longer be oppressed. And if they got on team Jesus, things were going to get better for them. You know, these wicked Caesars and Herods and kings and, and rulers and jailers and all of these people that made their life miserable. That would cease. If we get onto Team Jesus, things would be better. You know, Jesus is going and doing stuff, but things are not changing like the way that we thought that they would. This was quite normal in that time every king or every Herod or Caesar or king, they would all declare themselves messiahs. Messiah was not necessarily a really radically new thing for Jesus to take on. They would all do that. And the people who had been waiting for 400 years for a messiah, you know, you've got to think these people had this promise that, that good was going to come, that their oppression was going to finish. And the people that Every time the king said, I'm the Messiah, the people would wait with bated breath until he made some big boo-boo or did something horrible and realised, oh, you're not the one. And so out of that, there's this whole system where John's saying, well, things are not changing. Are you the one? In, uh, In Jesus' story, but he's human too and he's hearing stuff. But the ruling class hasn't switched to the Jews and he's suffering and he he might be thinking, have I hitched myself to the wrong wagon? Have I bet on the wrong horse? Was I right because it doesn't look like it? The expectations I had and I worked hard and expectations I had for things to be better, well, it's not playing out that way. I'm weary. I'm burdened. I'm wondering what's going on here. You know, we can be like that, can't we? Things aren't what we hoped. Things are not like we expected, or maybe things are not like we felt like we deserved. We were hoping someone or something, but perhaps particularly in the last year or so. Maybe giving us a life we deserve. We're all looking and we're kind of waiting. We're wanting our lives to work and to make sense. And this is not whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. It doesn't matter. We're all journeying, trying to make our lives work, aren't we? To make sense of our lives, that our lives might look like we expect them to be, either in our world or or when things in the world, um, you know, i.e., um, last year for us or this last year for us, when things are out of whack, we feel burdened, we feel tired, we feel weary, we feel wary—not just weary, we feel weary as well—and things are harder. And you know what I mean. I mean, how many of you? It kind of felt like in the middle of perhaps like when we were in this major lockdown in Victoria, it felt like oh, it's like walking through mud. Things felt harder, there was a heaviness. Sue and I often had conversations where, you know, we were okay in our home, and, and many of you were probably, and, and we were really thankful for what we had, but you could sense in, in you know, people when you talk, there's a heaviness and there's a weight and there's that burden on us. You see, we're all depending or counting on someone or something. And maybe it's a system. Maybe it's a system of faith in our, in our case. Maybe it's a system of, that you've, you've established in your own life. Somewhere. We're counting on someone or something, looking for something to give us or to afford us the life we think we deserve. Maybe we've even tried God at some point. Maybe we've been trying Him all along. Maybe we're trying him at a distance, you know, and I loved Kylie's example. Kylie was great. Maybe there's so many PowerPoints, we've plugged our plug into so many different things, thinking that might help, that might relieve the tiredness, that might lift the burden. And right there, there's Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes we've been hanging around him, but haven't been connecting with him. You know, you can know about God and Jesus and still not know him. Maybe it's something like that. I think in these words, there's a challenge for us, but there's also encouragement, particularly at the end, isn't there? Jesus answers John, and he goes on to say a number of things. um, And there's a heap in there. There'll be a few more sermons there if we want them. But then we get to those words at the end, don't we, Matthew, of those last three verses. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Think of those words. How how many of you sometimes just think, real rest would be great. That's what Jesus is saying. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. John's question came out of a weariness, trying to live up. You remember John was a Jew. He was trying to live up to the things that the Jews were supposed to live up to. And that rest Jesus is talking about here isn't just rest after a hard day of digging holes or a hard day of doing whatever you do or, or working in the office. Or it's not just that rest. It's about a deep rest, a rest that brings a relief from burdens. And Jesus isn't only talking to John now here at the end, isn't he? See, the Jews knew burden. You know, when Jesus says, come to me, who, you who are weary and burdened, he was speaking to people who knew what burden was. They knew what heavy burdens was, especially from their religion. And most of you know this, but they had to live up to, <clears throat> under the ruler of the, the ruling of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had to live up to 600 and something laws that they had to do right and weren't allowed to contravene. Not only that, there was another, and this is this is what I've learned recently, there was another thousand, just over a thousand of suggested things that would help you keep the other six hundred right. They weren't necessarily things you had to do, but if you did them, it would make it much easier to keep the others right. and so and you know how over time it becomes you know how we escalate things over time to become well, and you were judged by that. you were judged. Uh, people looked at you and made a judgment on you whether you were keeping the laws right, whether you were doing things right. That's a big burden, isn't it? You know, if you get one of these 600 wrong, you, 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 know, you, you don't do something right or you, you're not cleansed or you didn't wash enough times before you prayed or there were so many of them. And if you missed one, you were judged and, and you were spoken to and the whole community would judge you. You had to prove yourself worthy. You had to perform to be right and you had to do right. That was unbelievably tiring and taxing. Now, you might think that that was silly and we've grown up a lot now and and we don't have those 600 laws. But lest you think that humans don't have that tendency anymore and humans don't use things like that as a basis for judgment, we see it in our Christian world in our religious world all over the place. You know, and without picking on anyone, I can pick on, um, you know, I can pick on the reformed or if you like the traditional you know back in the day the whole the whole and those of you that come from a dutch background will understand that you know you you don't work on a sunday so you don't go to a shop on a sunday and if you were and um you know now is it a good thing probably it probably came out of a good place like probably a lot of the 600 laws came out of a good place is it a good thing probably but is it something that should be used as a burden or a judging thing probably not let's not just pick on the reform what about the pentecostals if you don't speak in tongues then you're not saved or if you don't raise your hands in water, are they good things yes they are are they things that should become a burden that we should judge people by so as humans we we know how to live under burden we know how to make others live under burden the jews we're under a great burden. That's the Christian world. You know, I could go on and what about in the work world or in the society or in the, the echelon that you might operate in, you know, or you, know, or you need to be X successful. I um, mean, you've just got to watch the news or you've got to read books to sort of say, look, you know, or someone, I'll interview someone on the news who's a financial advisor and would say, look, if you don't have, by the time you're 65, if you don't have a million in your super, you're finished. Guess what, guys? I'm finished. Now, I'm glad I've got more than super to count on. But, you know, it's out there and it's the way that we measure society. And when we measure each other and when we measure ourselves, that's when weariness and that's when burdens come in. That's when we start to lose rest. When we're trying to prove ourselves, that's when weariness comes in. You know, that's not how we were meant to live and that's not how they were meant to live. If you read the chapter, you can see Jesus talk to a few towns and and say, woe to you. You were so busy looking at the rules and that, that when miracles happened in your midst, you didn't even see them and you missed it. And you just allowed yourself to walk further and further into those heavy burdens. We may not have those religious requirements now, but as humans, Christian or non-Christian, we have a sense, sometimes well-guided, sometimes not of right and wrong, success, failure. And we go through life trying to prove ourselves as well, don't we? We can be burdened by what we perceive isn't working right or isn't isn't working in our lives and or things that aren't as we hoped, maybe in our world or in our own little dream and plan, in our circumstances, in our aspirations, in our dreams. And for a perfectionist... Or a driven person, that's right on the surface. You can see it on them. And so um, you can see that. But for all of us, it's innate, isn't it, at some level. We're on a journey to prove ourselves, to prove ourselves to ourself or to the world around us in some way, shape or form. And it can cause weariness or it can cause a guilt that we're not living up, on anxiety. And that's where anxiety and stress come from. That we're not meeting the standard that's set for us by ourselves, the hopes we had, the dreams we had, etc., or outside of us, a standard that we were never meant to meet. <coughs> that's tiring and that's a burden. Can you identify with any of that? Do you know, that's like when we have to walk through life, and we we put it on kids right from the start, don't we? They've got to do this right. They've got to do that right. None of that's wrong. But we've got to watch where we find our rest. What's the answer for them? What's the answer for these guys? And what's the answer for us? The answer is to switch yokes. Now, you might, most of you know what a yoke is. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. When Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, that would suggest that we all have a yoke of some way of some form that we're all carrying some yoke and jesus is saying no take my yoke upon you the answer is to switch yokes isn't it a yoke if you uh, don't know what a yoke is in an agricultural sense it was this this beam where um it was used to plow a field in old times when you would have the plow and then you'd have the chains and you'd have a beam and you'd have an oxen two oxen under that and the burden was to plow the field and then you would they would go in a yoke together often they would put an experienced ox with a young ox to, to train the ox to, to pull right. Um, maybe the old ox was getting tired. That's my suggestion anyway. But that's how it works. In religious times, um, a yoke was used, that language was used like a rabbi or a, <clears throat> a spiritual leader would have a yoke. They would have their particular um uh, particular emphasis if you like or the particular passion in an area and it could be you know in modern times we could say my yoke is worship i like i have a passion for worship or i have a passion for discipleship or teaching or or, or missions and that was the yoke they had so it's a burden a job to do a goal to reach towards something a yoke doesn't just connect you to a burden it also connects you to another thing imagine those two oxen like a rabbi would connect himself to a disciple and they would pull on their yoke together. For the Jews, their yoke was this onerous set of laws, wasn't it? This onerous set of rules to be and ways to behave. They were bound to that, like a yoke. They were, they were kind of yoked to that. They couldn't come out from under it. And the burden to meet those expectations were life-robbing. They were joy-stealing. It was used for shaming. And so the yoke became this heavy, heavy burden and got heavier and heavier over time. So the question for us is, what are you, yoke? What defines success or what sets the standards for you? What does doing life well look like for you? What drives you? What do you rely on? What or who determines your significance, your purpose... What's driving you and making you work hard, or making you make an effort? How do you prove yourself? Is it expectations, hopes, dreams? Is it maybe a spouse? Is your yoke your spouse that you've placed everything in that basket? That that's the one that you you live to prove yourself to? Is it your children? Your children sometimes children can become the only thing you live for. They become your yoke. Is your career? being very candid and open like for me is it approval is it approval of god or the approval of others keeping people happy that can be my is that my yoke my burden to keep people happy that's tiring is it money more of it is it security is it making sure and then that might have been rocked in this last year is it security is it success you see, if you put all your stuff, if you place, <coughs> if your yoke becomes completely one of those things, you destroy them and you destroy yourself, because we weren't designed to live with that burden. They're all good things, by the way, but the best way to destroy them is to make them your yoke, symbol for them, or to prove yourself. If you bind yourself to those things for life or to feel great you'll keep reaching to meet the expectations you'll keep trying to go a little bit further you'll keep trying to go a little bit bigger or you'll keep trying to be a little bit better and you can't and it'll sap you of life and joy and rest so what's the alternative i've painted a pretty grim picture and it's things in our life are good but we do have yokes and that's why these words are so important for us to understand and That's why Kylie's introduction, and that wasn't planned by the way, was so important to recognise, to understand. That we can go through life looking for it in so many different things and still feel totally destitute and totally without hope. And that's why these words are so important. What's the alternative that Jesus is offering? Himself. That's basically it, doesn't it? He says, come to me. Sound simple? Too simple? Maybe even a bit arrogant? Not to the Jews it wasn't. They knew what it was like to be yoked to something. They knew what it was like to follow. And you see what Jesus is saying, come to me, don't come to a program. Don't come to a set of laws or rules or a process. Come to me, I will give you rest. I will give you soul rest i will give you satisfaction rest i will take the sting out of the tail you will never prove yourselves to the religious leaders and you don't need to i've never demanded those kind of things this is what he's saying to the jews you'll never prove yourself to them you'll never get the 600 and something odd rules right you'll never make them happy but you don't need to i don't demand those sorts of things come to me and for us, we may not be in those Jewish times, it's true too. and We don't need another set of imperatives, another set of rules, another set of things to be judged by or to live towards. We don't need life goals or destinies or goals to reach. They're all good things, but they don't need to be our yoke, a list of requirements or right things to have done or have achieved in life, because we will never really prove ourselves to the world. There will always be someone that we've got to reach again there will always be more there will always be the next level even if that comes from inside us sometimes do you know what that feels like I get that I'm pushed from inside myself sometimes no one's asking it of me but you ask it of yourself as Christians we can forget the greatness of what Jesus is offering us here in my case why do I try to please why do I overcommit? why do I try to prove myself I forget the greatness of the gift of Jesus. I forget the greatness of the, that. I need to prove myself to Him. I think I need to do more. I need to please more. I need to satisfy people. I need to meet their expectations so that they'll think good of me. So that a lot of things. And a lot of us do that by all sorts of various means. Maybe it's your work or your family or your church. Jesus says here, Come to me. I came to give you rest. If you try to make anything or anyone else your saving grace, your wisdom or your righteousness, you'll always be weary. You'll always be looking for it. And it'll always be just there. Jesus is saying, come to me. Whatever's making you unbelievably tired or weary in life, it's because you've yoked yourself to something besides Jesus. You know, we talk about what it means to be a Christian and sometimes we can leave that same impression can't we we can leave the impression of rules to follow or stop sinning or do this right you know and that is part of it it certainly is but it's so much more than that isn't it it's actually laying prove yourself you don't have to prove yourself to god you're completely loved you're completely wanted you're completely significant as his creation have a look Esther's done nothing she's completely loved and we're just like her you're completely loved we were made to live in the knowledge of that we can stubbornly battle against the way we were designed or who we were designed to live for and that places a burden on us when Jesus says come to me he's saying be yoked and connected to me I will pull with you I'll not only be in the yoke with you, but I'm also, I am also the yoke. Make me the yoke. Make me the one you try to satisfy. Guess what? You have it. You've got it. That was what the cross was all about. That was what Jesus walking here on earth was all about. Make me the one you have to prove yourself to, and you already have. How resting is that? It's a yoke that's light because it's done for us, and it's carried with us to finish off. So there's a little bit of correction in there for us as well, isn't there? bit of corrective encouragement for the Jews and from us. Because he says, he goes on and say, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. See, that's my problem. I'd love to just grab the yoke and put it on and say, oh, isn't it great, I'm completely loved. But Jesus learn from me. It says that I've got to figure out how to live in that rest and how to learn to stay in that rest. Learn from me the source and growth of life. The Jews, the Pharisees and the law blinded them and stopped them from learning from God. Stopped them from seeing the miracle. Stopped them from seeing him for who he was. And he says, learn from me. And the result was they were trying to find it in all sorts of other things. For us, that's why discipleship is so important. That's why continual learning is really important. To stay in that place where we understand who Jesus is the greatness of the gift of Jesus letting him teach you and guide you getting in the harness with Jesus and becoming a lifelong learner you know the danger in these verses if you just quote verses 28 to 30 the danger is like a sugar hit you know like there's nothing we need to do oh wait great I can just leave it there just oh you know that's easy and not make any effort but Jesus says learn from me it's a light yoke But it is a yoke. We need to understand that. And how do you learn, you know, learning from, you know, things like a church community, life group, um, kids growing, and and we talked about kids this morning, and and how do we help them learn from God? How do we help them not to take on all the burdens that, that we've taken on in our generation? How do we help them to see the greatness of God and that if they yoke themselves to Him and if they look to Him to prove themselves, We do that as a community, as families. And it's easy to let that slide, isn't it? Because life takes over. It gets busy. Kids get busy. And it's really easy. And church gets like, you know, what Joel was sharing, church. And and God become one of those things that just is a bit like a blockade. You know, I want to sleep in. Uh, Being part of a church is a burden. I don't know about this God stuff. And sometimes I doubt. Well, guess what? We all do sometimes. And that's where the modelling happens. That's where we can prepare ourselves and the kids Jesus is talking here about a rest that we all, Christian or not, really want deep down, that most of us as humans try to find. Soul rest. I love that. Rest for your soul. Not just your bones, they heal. You know, legs from cycling up in the hill, if you're a cyclist. That that kind of gets, you know, when you rest your legs, that gets better. But Jesus is talking about soul rest, that rest where you stop having to try and be burdened i think we all want that and need that but maybe especially as you look at a new year and you look at how do we plan how do i walk into this new year do you know that 2020 might have been good it might have been bad but you can walk into 2021 knowing that jesus says come to me take my yoke I'm, i'm in 2021 i was in 2020 but i'm in 2021 And you can plug into me, take my yoke, it's light, it's easy. You don't need to prove yourself. There will be ripples along the way, but guess what? Just like we said with the baptism, I don't run off when COVID comes because I'm not sure what to do. I'll be with you always. How many of us don't need that? Are you tired? Are you burdened? Are you anxious maybe? Are you looking at the new year thinking, what's going to happen? You know, When is these lockdowns? When can I take my mask off? Outside when you have coffee. But, you know, take it off. How can I get motivation? How can I look for motivation? How can I just be satisfied and walk with people and God in this year? Do you ever, like John, wonder, did I put my money on the right horse? This is making me tired. Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you soul rest. If you're burdened, take on my yoke. I'll pull with you. I'll be the one that's with you in 2021. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you that um, there are always life lessons in your word and there are always encouragements and it's easy to... uh, Life gets in the way.